0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by Allison Dillard. Allison is an author, an adjunct math professor, and the host of the Allison Loves Math podcast. On her podcast, she talks with education and parenting experts about how to empower kids to do well in math and STEM. So as we start the podcast, um, I reveal that math has not always been my strong suit which I think is true for a lot of people. In fact, I used to joke that math is a four-letter word. But all that said, Allison shines a light on how not to be afraid of math, how we can help our kids get over any math anxiety they have, and how we can help them work through their problems, pun intended, that they're facing in math. She talks about why statistics are helpful for all students, no matter what path they're taking, And why it's important for our kids to be able to try and fail in order to succeed. There's a lot of great advice and suggestions from Allison, whether your kids love math or not. So let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. Through interviews with industry experts and leaders in education, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Allison! Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is actually a topic that I'm excited to talk about, even though it's probably not one of my strengths. And <laughs> i I think I told you this before today. I live in a house full of math nerds, and um, I used to think I was pretty good at math, but now that I'm married to a math major and two teens who are exceptionally good at math. I'm definitely in the minority here, but enough about me. Um, Why don't you give a quick
1: introduction for my audience, kind of who you are and what you do? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Allison Dillard, and I am, well, really, first, I'm a mom of three kids, and like all parents, I am really navigating all of the craziness that is parenting during a pandemic right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike unlike a lot of parents, I am also a crazy math person, and I've written some math books. And I have um, I'm a math professor at a community college. I've recently started a parenting membership where I help parents help their kids with math. You know, for those parents who are struggling, being their kids' math teacher if their kids are learning online for the first time. Um, and so yeah, I think you know I just I I love math. Um, I love teaching math. I love helping parents help their kids with math. And I just um, it's not necessarily even just about the math itself. I kind of just enjoy the fact that, you know, math is a challenge and when we teach our kids how to succeed in math, we're kind of teaching them how to overcome challenges in general. So that's sort of, that's sort of who I am in my background. That's a great way to look at it. And it is
0: at the risk of sounding punny. Uh, mm-hmm. It's solving problems, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's solving math problems and real world problems. Uh-huh. Um, so let's, Let's go back. I mean, how did you get started on the math path? Oh, I like the way that sounds. Uh, Did you, were you really into math in high school or did you kind of discover that after?
1: You know, I think I had really strong math teachers in high school, so I had really solid math foundations going into college. And I think in college, it probably kind of goes back to what I enjoy teaching about math and now, but I think what I liked about math in college was the fact that it was a challenge. And in all honesty, I, I didn't know if I had what it took to major in math and that made me curious about it. Each math class, you know, I'd, I'd take the math class and get through it and be like, oh, I wonder if I can get through that next one. I, I don't know if I could. And so I would just keep doing it to see if I could. And, you know, I got to the end of my junior year and, and had enough um, credits to major in it.
0: And when you chose that major, what were your plans? Did you say, I'm going to teach math someday? Or were you just like, I'm I'm going to major in math because I like it. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it.
1: So I was actually a math and English double major. And the on the math side, I really enjoyed statistics. So of the undergrad classes that I took, that was what I enjoyed the most. And one of the thoughts was to either go study statistics, you know, in grad school or maybe be an actuary, something like that. Um, And then on the writing side, I I enjoyed writing and I took some screenwriting classes. I enjoyed that a lot. And so I think I would say that I was a student who didn't have a very set plan. I didn't enter college saying, I'm going to go major in math and I'm going to go do this certain thing. I think I was just trying to figure out what I enjoyed. And I figured that's a good foundation for anything. I can always go from there.
0: Yeah. And you're using both Math and English in the work that you do. I mean, you've written multiple books and you're teaching and doing a lot of writing and podcasting, um, which is super cool. So math, it's a four-letter word to some people, right? And um again, I enjoyed math till I got to a second, a certain point in high school, and then I'd had enough, like I think most people and as you said, a lot of parents are educating or helping their kids um, get educated at home right now. And math seems to be a struggle for, I mean, it's always been a struggle. And, you know, now it's, quote, new math, right? So kids are learning how to solve math problems, nowhere near what my generation learned. Right. right. How do parents and let's talk about teenagers because that's where, in my opinion, that's where math gets really hard. Right. Um, how do we help our kids find their way through high school math, whether it's you know regular math or AP
1: math or all the different maths? there's so there's so many different things. So I'll start with a couple of really sort of basic things, maybe for parents who, don't necessarily like, like math themselves, because I think that's when it becomes a, a real big source of stress, right, is when parents say, I hate math, and I'm not a math person. So how am I supposed to help my child in this subject that I don't even like or know how to do? So I think if that's a situation that you're finding yourself in, one thing that you can do is to remind your child that math is just a skill. And I think it's something that's parents and students forget a lot. They, they sort of put math up on this pedestal and they think that you know only some people get it and the rest of us just can't and it's it's almost like magic, you know? Um, but if you just remind your child that it is just like a skill, just like learning how to read and just like learning how to learn a lo- new language or, or soccer or piano. And if you can remind them how difficult those other skills were, you know, if, if suppose your child's a soccer player right? And they love soccer. They're playing high school soccer. Then you can just remind them, you know what? You weren't always great at it. There was a lot of hard work that went into it. And there was probably a lot of extra practice that you put in when you were maybe falling behind or you wanted to improve on something. And math is just like that. It's just a skill. And I think sometimes when you just take it off that pedestal, that can help them to see that there is a point to the homework, right? That is that practice just like the soccer drills that you do each week right the homework is that practice that you need in order to get better and so one of the things that as a parent you can do to help your kid is just to get back into that mindset of you know maybe i can't do this but i can't do it yet and as a parent you can just keep on telling that and as they keep on hearing that from you it'll eventually settle in and they'll they'll start thinking that way and honestly that's probably the number one thing that you can do as a parent to help
0: that's great advice um, and yeah practice 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 But I think the difference is when it's soccer, Mm -hmm. it's it's a choice, right? (laughs) Mom, I want to play soccer. Okay. Yes, I'll do all the work because I want to play soccer. Whereas Mm -hmm. with math, it's do the work, whether you like it or not, whether you want to do it or not. And oh, by the way, and you know this, our kids are being taught to the test. So right Mm -hmm. now, you know, well, in general, right? It's all about those standardized tests and I talk about this on the podcast all the time, you know, raise that GPA, get that SAT score so you can get into the, quote, best college. How how can parents help their kids feel less pressure and overcome some of the anxiety associated with that aspect of math?
1: I think one thing that's important that you mentioned is the fact that students have to do it and it's not a choice. Right. And so when you talk about the difference between soccer and math, it is really important because your child wants to do it. And so therefore, they understand the value of it. Right. They understand that soccer is fun and they have the team sport and they have friends there and it's good for you physically. And they probably have a some sort of con- competitive spirit when it comes to soccer. There's so many positive things that they get out of soccer. And so I think that is something that so often gets lost with math is why do we need it and so that that is something that you can teach your child also right is why do you need math and i know it's easy to not necessarily see it because so many of our high school math classes are are algebra based and we just see lots of equations and lots of variables and we don't necessarily feel like it relates to real life but always remember that everything to do with personal finance comes back to math right and so all of that practice that you get you know, learning how to solve these hard problems. And, and a lot of times personal finance is not stuff that we want to do, right? It's not the fun part of life and being a grown up. True, Very Um, true. But it's still something that we have to do. And it's still something that we want our children to be able to navigate as adults. So
0: can you help me relate algebra to personal finance? Because I mean, how many times have you heard as a math professor, when am I ever going to use algebra again in my life? Um, (laughs) you know, or insert math here, whatever math they're taking here. And how,
1: how do you relate algebra to personal finance? I'm a little bit lost you know, on at, that. At the most basic, I guess the most simple example would be whenever you're trying to save for something. So I think the question that I get a lot from students, you know, cause I taught college algebra at a community college. And so it's sort of equivalent to high school algebra too. And, you know, when students start looking at their budgets and something that they're trying to save for, like I had one student, you know, who said, you know, I'm trying to save up to move out of my parents' house, right? And this is how much that I make, you know, every month. And this is how much I think the rent is going to be. And, you know, how many hours do I actually have to work in order to make this happen? Right. And when you're actually trying to set specific financial goals, that's where the algebra comes in. I think when you're not doing... When you, when you don't have specific goals, it's very easy to just sort of go through the motions, sort of stay on that hamster wheel of life, right? With finance and not really think about things. But whenever you have something specific that you're trying to work for, solving for that variable absolutely comes into play. And real world examples are way more complicated than the ones that we get in the classroom. So yes, that that practice that we have in that, that boring algebra class can come in really handy.
0: Yeah, I wish there were more personal finance class. I wish that was a requirement for every high school graduate cuz I feel like that's the math we to your point that we need for the real world, right? Budgeting and mm-hmm. and you know, balance a checkbook, make change yes. without using a calculator or whatever, you know, just the basic um planning planning for mm-hmm. college or whatever your next step is um after. And you're right, we get you get those There's always those memes of those math problems that if you have two pumpkins and the frog is purple,
1: you know, how much does the umbrella cost? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. It drives me crazy as a teacher also, because as a teacher, I want to teach students math that they're going to use in real life, but all the problems that we have, To assign are always like that. They're always silly. They're always things that the students don't relate to or could care less about. And so, whenever I'm trying to incorporate the personal finance stuff into class, it's always so much extra work because I have to just create everything from scratch or go looking for it somewhere. And so, it's it's hard on teachers too because we do want it to relate to real life. Unfortunately, that's not always the I don't know resources that that we're given. You know, for the classes though.
0: Yeah, and with regard to real life math, so. Kids in high school, are a lot of them are on the college prep track. Maybe some want to be, some might not want to be, should be, shouldn't be. Um, but if you think about math as it applies to teenagers and in high school, does that differ depending on what their plans are beyond high school? So if, if student A says, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study physics, making that up, and student B says, I'm going to go into the military, and student C says, I want to go to a trade school, Should their math choices and their math track differ based on what their goals are beyond high
1: school? Probably, you know, it would vary a lot. You know, I think if you're going to go on and major in physics or math, for example, obviously you want to take as much math as you can in high school. So whatever, whatever APs they're offering, whatever the highest level of math um, or the hardest math track, I guess, that you could be on, the better off that you'll be in college, right? Because fewer there will be fewer of those um, basic math classes that you have to take in college. You can just sort of jump into the fun stuff a little bit faster. you know. Um, that was something for me as a math major, I did not take AP calculus in high school. I took regular calculus. And so I had to actually take calculus one my freshman year and then calculus two and then calculus three. And so I w- was just barely getting out of calculus during my sophomore year. And the, the students who had already taken all of that calculus back in high school, they had a whole year on me, you know, that they were able to take all of these different math classes ahead of time. So it, it does make a difference if you're going into something in the STEM fields. Outside of that, there are differences. You know, I think if you want to go into something with business or something in the medical fields, a lot of times you need statistics. Sometimes they make you take up through calculus as well. But the, the requirements vary a lot from school to school, and there's so many different majors with so many different requirements. Um, I would recommend just as a, a parent that statistics is really, really helpful for all students. So even if it's not required as a major, I would recommend it, especially now as we're looking at the, the presidential election and and all of the polls and stuff like that. It can be very helpful to just have a little bit of background information on that, where they come from, what margin of error is, you know, what polls you can trust and and not. Um, so that sort of information I think is helpful regardless of what you're majoring in or what your goals are. Um, but beyond that, that's a great real life example and relevant
0: right now. Um, so let's talk about the future of math and the future of work. So I, and I talk a lot on this podcast about alternate paths, right? for kids right. who maybe, don't want to go to college or, you know, that's just not in their plans for whatever reason. There are so many fields. I mean, gosh, almost every field requires some math, right? But what kind of suggestions or ideas do you have for career fields or other paths that kids can take that maybe doesn't require college that they can use, whether it's math or STEM fields um, and that kind of thing. And is there, are there other ways to get that training? So if they don't, if they're not going to attend college, is there, are there math courses? Are there MOOCs, you know, those massive um, online courses? Are there boot camps? Are there other ways
1: to get that education that you know about? Definitely. I think that's one of the cool things about today is that you can learn anything online, right? There are so many different courses and I think one of the best things about learning things online is that you're learning for yourself instead of just going through the motions with whatever classes you're required to take. Um, As a math professor at a community college, I see a lot of students who are just going through The motions, you know, they're in community college because their parents said go to college and they didn't know what to do. They don't like the classes that they're taking, but they're taking them anyways. They don't have specific goals in mind. And that's not what I recommend doing at all. I think if you're going to take math in college, make sure there's a reason for it, you know? Um, And that is the great thing about learning things, maybe. Off the college track is that then you're looking at very specific skills that you want to learn. Um, and, you know, actually, an example of that is the next couple of books that I'm writing are actually all statistics books. And part of the reason is, you know, we teach a lot of introduction to statistics in college, right? And, and we look at um, like the p-value method and the critical value method and some basic frequentist statistics. But there's a lot of other statistics that you actually use in real life that aren't necessarily covered in the college courses. And using statistics um, in conjunction with coding is a really, really useful skill in industry, but it's not something that's often taught in schools and so that's the sort of thing where you know I'm with another math professor we're writing this book and we're going to create an online course to go with it because that sort of fills that gap for like a skill that students actually could use in a, an actual job um, that isn't necessarily being taught in college so as you are taking your math classes and or as your kids sorry all of a sudden I'm talking to students <laughs> Again, <laughs> I get so used to that. Sorry, so as, as your children are, are taking their, their college classes, make sure that they're thinking about what they want to do and what skills they actually need because there are so many different niche courses out there now that they can take that can really complement everything that they're learning in college, make them more qualified for the job that they want, um, and yeah, honestly will just be more interesting sometimes if it's something that they're interested in.
0: Yeah. And fields like data science Mm -hmm. and... Exploding. Absolutely. yeah, Yeah. There's such a huge need there and math is a big part of it. But I think that's part of it too, right? Kids spend so much time in school in math that they're not interested in. And I can speak for my own, my younger son. He's really good at math, but he doesn't like it at all. And I think it's just because he hasn't had math classes yet. I mean, he's only a freshman in high school, but he hasn't had math classes yet that really tuned in to the stuff that really interests him. So I'm, really, I'm hoping that through high school, he chooses the math classes that are uh, of, of interest and that are going to really get him excited about whatever direction he's going to take after. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. So you've written a couple books already. One is called Crush Math Now, and the other one is Raise Your Math Grade. What's mm-hmm. your is your audience for those books? Is it teens, parents of teens, um, college students? Who's your audience, and and what was your goal of each of those books?
1: So those books were written for high school and college students who are struggling in their math classes, and I I wrote the first book Crush Math Now when I had had um, some health problems a few years back and I had to take a year off of teaching. And so during that year I had, you know, I was just trying to think of what to do. And I I think, you know, part of just maybe having a little bit of a a health scare gets you thinking about, you know, what sort of impact you're having and, and got me thinking about, you know, are there ways that I can help students beyond my own classroom and so that's sort of where i got the idea of writing this book and really it's it's weird there's no math actually in the book itself it's all really about you know um mindset and study skills and test taking skills and, and grid and discipline and, and all of it. there's a lot of psychology in it actually it's sort of like the psychology behind succeeding in math and things that are difficult. And one of the things that lots of people have told me about it is you know it's it's fantastic for math, but it applies to anything. And you can actually take what you learn in that and apply that to any subject that you're actually learning. Um, and so you know there there are so many different um tools for you know Worksheets for actually teaching the math skills, but I just, as a teacher, I never had a, a really good resource um, for students that I could hand to students who you know who said, "I'm just not a math person. I just can't do this and wouldn't do their homework." Um, that would would teach them that they absolutely can. And so that that book is all the the psychology that you need um, behind figuring out how to succeed in math. <laughs> I love that. I love that mindset.
0: And is it
1: safe to say you believe everybody is a math person? I do. I really it's I know it sounds so silly to say but I really do because I've I've seen so many students who have honestly who have failed math and failed math multiple times but once they're able to just you know recognize that Math is a skill, and change their study habits so they're doing what works, and change their test-taking habits so they're getting all the points that they could get. Um, you know, students can overcome math anxiety and learning disabilities, and you know, so many different things to succeed in math. And so I think I've seen so many just extreme cases of students just go completely 180 from where they were before and succeed in math. Yes, I totally believe that anybody can succeed in math.
0: That's awesome. And you did an episode recently on your podcast called 5 Steps to Succeed in Math. And I don't want to give it all away because I want people to go and listen to your actual episode. But do you want to share a little bit from that?
1: Sure. So that was, you know, that was part of that came from my book Crush Math Now. And as I was writing that book, which was a really interesting exercise trying to take all of these random conversations and things that I've taught students over the years and then somehow put it into a a framework that any student could apply to themselves. And so the the five steps really are, you know, on one side there are students who are struggling in math and hate math and can't figure out how to succeed in math. And then on the other side, there are students who just get it and they get it quickly and they're succeeding. And it seems like with so much ease. And I think the problem that students run into is you know, how do you bridge that gap? How do you go from one extreme to the other? And so those five steps there really are what bridges the two. And and it really comes down to, you know, one, knowing what you're up against. As I was, you know, writing the book, I realized, you know, there are a thousand different things that stand between, you know, a, a different students and success in math. And so you really just have to, you know, identify what is the number one thing for you that's holding you back. You know, and sometimes it's just hating math and other times it's um, math anxiety. Um, there, there's just so many different things. And then once you've identified, you know, your number one thing, just take massive action, right? And, and make as many changes as possible to what you're doing because really, with anything, you know, the results that you get come from the things that you're doing to get those results, right? And so the same thing goes for math. Once you figure out what your problem is, just make lots of changes. Make sure you're not doing the same thing over and over again. And then just repeating that process of making changes and reflecting on what you're doing, making changes, reflecting on what you're doing um, until you're getting the results that you want. I like that approach. I,
0: you know, it's the whole try and fail, try and fail, try and yeah. fail, try, try and succeed. That,
1: yeah, success and is
0: I, built on failure for sure. Exactly, and I think a lot of teens, well, a lot of people in general, all they wanna see is that A. Yeah, Whether they're learning something or not, they want that good grade and they want that GPA. But I, I wish that our kids were given more opportunities to fail in math and in general. Because I feel like they would learn more. They'd get a lot out of it. To your point, they'd build more grit, um, resilience. um, And then when they get to college and they (laughs) fail a class or, you know, or have a whatever it is, a huge disappointment in their life, they know how to bounce back from it. Yes.
1: Yes. Students learn so much from failure. And I agree with you completely. I wish that students had more of a chance. To fail, right? Because if you're if you never fail at anything, it's almost like you never tried something hard enough, right? You have to have that freedom to fail in order to tackle really difficult, big things. Um, one of the changes that I personally really enjoyed in my math classes was um, dropping the lowest two quiz grades for my students, and after I did that, and it just it worked so well because students you know if they would fail one quiz they would pick themselves up and they would study really really hard for the next one you know so instead of just dropping the class because oh too late you failed there's nothing else you can do they had a chance to pick themselves up and learn from those mistakes and try again the next time and uh, i don't know it's it's tricky yeah as a parent as a student it's there's there's so many different components going in but I do agree. I wish they had more chances to fail and pick themselves up.
0: Well, I'd love to hear hear from educators like you who believe in that philosophy and, you know, again, it's not just about the grade, but it's about the learning that happens with the grade. Um you did have an episode on your podcast as well about college admissions and the SAT mm-hmm. and I have to say I have a 16-year-old who has is getting ready to take the SAT this year and um he wants to go to college which is another episode for another time but um any thoughts that you want to share here about math and college admissions and the SAT
1: sure so i taught SAT prep for Kaplan test prep for a few years after college and and i actually trained their tutors for their SAT tutors in los angeles so my background or I guess my advice for the SAT does come from you know somebody in the test prep industry. And you know, my advice would be take a practice test. I think you know as with any class, the first time you take a test from a teacher is always the hardest, right? Because you don't know what their tests are like, we don't know what they're expecting. And oftentimes the first tests don't go well simply because of that. And so with the SAT it's actually a known test. There are, so many di- there are so many practice tests available out there. So I would recommend you know, taking a practice test, making sure that he's familiar with the test. That way he's not losing points just because he's not familiar with it. Um, and then you can also use that as a baseline because if it's not the score that he wants for the college that he wants, then he can prepare and, and you can study for the test. Um, And there are tons of free resources. Also, Khan Academy, for example, has some fantastic videos um, that can teach students, you know, SAT questions. Great,
0: great advice.
1: (laughs) Well, we've talked a lot about your
0: um, podcast, Allison Loves Math, and I'm going to include links in the show notes to everywhere people can find you. But besides the podcast, where else would you like people to find you and follow you?
1: yes i think the best place to find me is on my website allisonlovesmath.com so it's allison with two l's and um there you can find free resources for parents and teachers there i've got one up now it's the seven secrets that parents of successful math students know and the podcast is listed there and then you can find the book links there as well Um, crush math now and raise your math grade are both available on amazon and if you have kids um, who are struggling struggling with math, I definitely recommend um, that you can get the books for them. Those can really help them. And they're also sort of organized. So that way they can just look at the table of contents and see what their problem is and then just jump to the chapter. Um, that really relates to them. I did keep in mind that nobody wants to read an entire book about raising their math grade. They want to just do it in the least amount of time possible. Um, <laughs> That's and true. then and then as a parent, I do have the um, Raise a Math Person membership, and that's something that I created over the summer to help parents who are struggling to help their kids with math. And um, it's been evolving, but it's lots of fun. And it's really the the whole purpose of it is to make math less stressful and less time consuming for parents um, and, and basically get your kids to be successful in math and put it on autopilot. So that way it doesn't take up lots of your time. So you can check that out as well. That
0: sounds amazing. I am (laughs) going to include all these links in the show notes. Um, I'm going to ask you one more quick question before Mm. I let you go. Oh, yeah. If you could go back to high school and Mm. give high school Allison one piece of advice, math related or
1: not, what would it be? If I could leave high school version of me with one piece of advice, I think it would be that everything is just a skill right math is just a skill English is just a skill and if you just keep practicing and keep changing what you're doing you can figure out anything I think back when I was in high school I I didn't realize that yet and so I was always very afraid that I wouldn't be able to do certain things I, I didn't necessarily see the connection between you know, math and English per se. And, and I think that that would have been really helpful to know in high school was that anything is possible, right? And you just, and there are so many things that you could learn. You just have to, to pick the ones that you want to learn and then recognize that everything is learnable.
0: Oh, that's great advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. This was a really interesting conversation and I haven't talked about math at all on the podcast. So this was a great opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun.
0: Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or two. The more that listen, download and share, the better others will be able to find it. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player, so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they become available. If you have any topics or guests that you'd like me to bring onto the show, I welcome your suggestions. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at HighSchoolHamsterWheel.com. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found in the show notes, The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.